All right, so joining me today is a very special guest, um, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri native, multiple-time Fargo champ in high school in both styles, two-time NCAA All-American, Stanford graduate, 2019 senior world team member in Greco-Roman, member of the Army World-Class Athletes Program, Ryan Mango. Ryan, thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, we talked a little bit right before we went live. You're in the process of moving. Obviously, COVID is crazy for everybody. Um, what have the last few months been like for you, man, with the postponement of the Olympics, of the trials and everything, um, and just dealing with the virus? Uh, it's been crazy, you know, not different than anybody else's. I'm sure everyone's been disrupted in some way, and so just trying to stay busy, uh, keep focusing on the positive things, you know, the things I can't do during this time, and uh, – you know, keep trying to make a difference. So just taking every day, one day at a time, and uh, just trying to push forward like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I kind of want to start at the very beginning. Like I said, you know, you're a St. Louis native and everything. Um, obviously, you and your brother, you know, grew up wrestling together and everything. But, you know, what was it? How did you guys gravitate toward wrestling, right? Like, how did it get introduced into your lives? And, you know, at what point did you really feel that it was what you wanted, you know, that you wanted it to be a big part of who you were in your lives? Mm. Um, so my brother started first. He, uh, he was a freshman in high school. So initially he played football, you know, that was our main sport. Uh, I also played soccer. I like soccer a lot. So I played soccer and football mainly. And uh, my brother was a freshman playing football uh, in high school. You know, he weighed like, I think he weighed like 82 pounds or something like that. <laughs> I'll go on the football field. So eventually, you know, the school like approached uh, my mom and him like, hey, you know, like someone's going to get hurt. Like, uh, you should probably like consider not, not playing football anymore. My brother was kind of already thinking it. So um, I think the JV wrestling coach at his school saw him walking down uh, the hallway and they had like noticed him before, you know, and they probably knew about the situation with football. So he asked me if he wanted to come out for the wrestling team. Um, at that point, we didn't know like very much about wrestling. I knew what it was. Uh, thought it was kind of weird, to be honest. I was five years younger, mind you. Uh, just uh, didn't know a whole lot about the sport uh, and the character you could feel, but had just seen it before. Uh, but after my brother started wrestling, obviously I wanted to try it. And so that next year, uh, he was wrestling in the summer, and I came into a couple summer practices. And uh, I actually wrestled Ashley Hudson. Uh, she used to be a wrestler in Missouri, and she yeah. was on for a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, and then pretty soon thereafter, you know, like – got hooked on the sport, kept going to practice, and it pretty much took off from there. Um, but yeah, it was like some of my first partners, like Ashley Hudson, Allie Reagan, uh, he used to wrestle okay. her an awful lot. She lived just across the river in Illinois, so we'd get together and wrestle, and uh, yeah, just kind of took off from there, though. Yeah, so talk through your development. You know, obviously, you know, you're, you're full-time Greco-Roman now, and you've always been a guy that has been huge in the international styles, even when you were competing collegiately and everything. What was it or who was it, I guess, that, that pulled you towards, you know, especially Greco, right? You know, Greco isn't the style that is normally the main style for, for most kids growing up and everything. What was it that helped you gravitate toward Greco and, and you know, really now um, chase a, a career in it? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I guess like as a kid, you know, when you first start wrestling, I thought wrestling was wrestling, you know, so I, I wrestled freestyle, folk style, Greco, any type of wrestling I could do whenever I could do it. I just wanted to get better. And um, I think one thing you learn, like as you progress, obviously you need to specialize. Like you can't just keep jumping back and forth between styles. It's not realistic. Uh, and the higher levels, you know, the higher you go. So right. um, 
when I went to college, uh, I mean, obviously my mindset changed a lot. I knew I had, you know, big decisions to make after graduation and all that. Um, but I knew I still, I, was, I wasn't ready to, um, like, competing, you know, not be in right. my life. So I knew I wanted to yeah. keep competing, and I knew I had to make a decision, basically, freestyle or Greco. Um, but I really think I had made that decision already because, you know, in the summers in between the college seasons, I was wrestling Greco, you know, mm -hmm. not freestyle. So um, I think it really boiled down to doing what I love. Greco is my favorite style. It's what I love to do. And so if I was going to forego, you know, going to graduate school right away or, or just trying to, you know, pursue a career right away, then it was going to be for something that I love, you know, and not for any other reason, not trying to, you know, make other people happy or, or do what's the, the right thing or the common thing to do. And so went with Greco and loved it ever since. For sure. You know, so you talk about making hard decisions, you know, and, and decisions that are what's right for you. Obviously, your relationship, you know, you and your brother and you have a great relationship, but you took a very different path from Spencer post high school. You know, um, what went into obviously a Stanford education is a huge part of it. But at what point did you decide that you wanted to be, you know, an NCAA compete at the collegiate level instead of chasing international styles right away? And what what really drove that process for you to end up at Stanford? Um. I'll say a couple of things. Uh, I think it basically broke down to the opportunity. Um, on one on one end, I was confident in myself that I was going to be able to get it done. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, you know, if I went to college, okay, I'll be an NCAA champ, and then I'll go on and be a Greco World and Olympic champ. You know, no problem. I can do it. Um, I think on the other end of that decision was opportunity for my family, you know. Um, we're for like for our family, my, me and my brother, you know, we're like first generation college students, you know, low income uh, college students. And so looking at the opportunity to go somewhere like Stanford, you know, or to even to another division one school, that's a big opportunity for my family and, you know, the generations to come, hopefully. So um, I think the decision was, you know, based on two, those two, those two options weighing in on me. And um I think that my confidence in my wrestling ability just kind of outweighed the, the negatives of foregoing college and wrestling international styles right away. Right. So, you know, in your time at Stanford, obviously you put together an unbelievable career. You, you make the podium twice, you were around a 12-er, a third time and everything, you know, one Midlands. Um, you've been posting clips and everything. You posted the clip of you dropping Dennis on his head to win Midlands the other day and everything. So, just talk through your Stanford time, man. You know, it had to be um, an incredible experience living in Palo Alto, going to arguably the best school on the planet and doing the things that you did athletically. Um, yeah, it was a lot different. I'll, I'll start with that. It was, you know, a culture shock when I first got there. Um, <laughs> it, like, it was kind of wrestling for the first time. I had heard of Stanford, you know, but I was like, eh, you know, I'll probably never go there. So I did, it was just like something that mm -hmm. was out of my mind, you know, and so – the first time I went there and, and when I moved there for school, you know, uh, I was super excited, obviously. Um, it was really different and there was a big transition period. Um, everything from the schoolwork, you know, the difficulty of the schoolwork to um, just living on my own that far away from home. I traveled for wrestling before, but, um, you know, just different moving uh, halfway across the country, more than halfway and, and living there on your own. Um, and having to find new support channels and all that. So um, it was definitely a transition, but 
man, I tell you, like the coaches and the program itself really took me under their wing. Um, it was an awesome place to go to school uh, academically, even though like I was like the guy that was in the library, you know, like I had to work super hard. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of friends who were like out doing whatever they wanted and like they go into the tests and leave like an hour before I was finished. <laughs> you know? but, um, no, it was, it was, it was awesome. And then wrestling through Stanford, uh, it was cool too. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, this, this thing that keeps repeating itself for me, like my high school, they, I think we took second to last place uh, at state my freshman year, my sophomore year, we took second place. My junior senior year, we won state. But we had a good group of guys that came in. We all believed, and we had made it happen. So, um, you know, at Stanford, like, kind of the same thing. Not mm -hmm. a strong wrestling program, but it was just something different about being on the campus and being around those type of people that I liked. And so, um, went there. You know, obviously, didn't win an NCAA title, but, I mean, look at what we accomplished. You know, a top 10 finish. You know, we were creeping up there in the rankings. We're getting better recruits, building the program. Um, and, you know, transitioning now to Greco, it's kind of the same thing, you know, where that, that uh, outlier, you know, the, the not, not popular option and just trying to build a program and make an impact. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always been curious about with you, you know, you're, like I said, you're a St. Louis native and everything. And that's one of the sites that is um, pretty common for NCAAs, right? Did you get to compete in St. Louis once, maybe twice, for NCAAs? Twice. Competed okay. twice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's pretty common for, you know, a guy like you to qualify four times. You know, it cycles back often enough. But what was it like to be able to go home and compete at home, you know, in the biggest event of, you know, to that point, the biggest event at that level? Mm -hmm. um, it was awesome. I'll, I'll put it that way. It was awesome. Um I think the first time, like, it, it, it really helped me. I think that was the first year I was American, um, mm -hmm. was at home. And, you know, obviously I had people, family and friends out in the stands. And on, I guess for a lot of people, that would make them even more nervous, you know, an event like that. And then you're like, oh, man, and my family and friends, and I got to, you know, try to see them, but then do what I need to do preparation-wise. For me, that was relaxing. It was like um, – I had almost more support and I was more relaxed going into the tournament because, you know, everything was, was how it's supposed to be. Um, and so I felt more support. It was definitely awesome uh, wrestling in front of the home fans. And um, I think it, it helped my performance, to be honest. That's awesome. And that's something that's, you know, like Pittsburgh is about an hour, an hour and a half from where I grew up, you know, and last year NCAAs being in Pittsburgh, I remember just, seeing the city that was closest for me to home, let alone actually being home. Um, all I could think of all weekend was like, man, this would have been really cool. So um, that, that had to be awesome. So the other thing with Stanford, obviously, that we have to talk about, um, you know, probably about what, a month or so ago now, the athletic department at Stanford, you know, put out a press release that 11 sports were, they're planning to, to drop 11 sports following the 2020, 2021 um, academic and athletic year you know from from your experience at Stanford obviously you know the way you speak about it is extremely positive and everything else um, but if if you were able to to have the floor with the decision makers in that process um, you know the people inside the boardroom or whomever that may be 
you know, if given the floor, what is it that you would want to say to them from your experience as a Stanford wrestling alumni? You know, what would you want to say to them to, you know, change their mind, right? You know, we all know what wrestling can do for people, but um, what is it for you as a first-generation college student and everything else that you would want to say to them? Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, the, mean, the mean side of me would want to ask them, like, what's the real motive here, you know? Right. Um, they say like in the letter, you know, so they, they break it down into this criteria. It's basically like a combination of competitive excellence, um, meaning academically and athletically and money, basically monetary yep. issues, financial problems. And they put the emphasis on financial problems. Um, and so for me, it's hard to believe, you know, that just within wrestling, we have this big support system of Stanford alumni and affiliates and supporters and advocates, you know, that um you know weren't given a chance to make things right or to try to help you know in a philanthropic way so how can you say that you've explored all avenues um when you know that's like probably one of the most obvious avenues and you haven't explored it um so i mean there's other things you know and like as far as the competitive excellence like that really bothers me too because you know there's people there's people every single class you know like multiple people that go on to do great things you know patricia miranda like the first u.s female olympic medalist you know yeah. three-time world medalist and she got her law degree at yale after wrestling and now she owns a law firm <laughs> you know she's a name partner so uh zach geeson you know ncaa yep. all american uh is now a, a medical doctor mm -hmm. uh you know yep. uh Christine Cunningham, even yeah. females too, you know, Christine Cunningham, she's a PhD candidate right now at UCLA. Uh, yeah, I mean, and so I would, I would want to know like, what's the real motive behind uh, their decision or their early decision, I guess. And uh, I guess also tell them like, hmm, they place emphasis on like diversity and cultivating an environment that can change the world and this and that you know like like solving real world problems but i think that cutting wrestling uh is kind of stabbing yourself in your own foot because wrestling obviously is a very diverse sport we did like you know we came out with a thing on the keep stand for wrestling uh campaign 44 percent of the the recent athletes that were wrestlers at stanford were low income or first generation compared to 17 percent in the whole university um outside of that these student athletes aren't just coming here to wrestle and then going and sitting on the couch they're going on to get master's degrees doctor degrees you know so like how, how is that not competitively excellent um mm -hmm. as well as the growth of the team you know athletically like we have a good squad and so and we're yeah. better uh won our first pac 12 championship you know so um as you can tell there's a lot on my mind about it um yeah I'm actively helping them, you know, in, in all the ways I can. And, uh, yeah, I know we, we need to keep the program, you know. It really is, like, the program itself is a way to solve real-world problems. Yes. Because student-athletes like me who wouldn't have had a chance or maybe the same opportunities otherwise, I was a real-world problem. And Stanford Wrestling solved that problem. They created a path for me to do more, to do work like I'm doing now, you know, to stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves. So um, I think it's really backwards. And um, yeah, I hope we can make it a successful campaign.
So to make it a successful campaign, obviously getting the Stanford wrestling alumni and Stanford alumni involved is a massive part of it. But um, arguably the bigger part of it is getting, getting the rest of us involved, right? Getting the rest of us, not only to care to post on Twitter and Facebook and whatever else, but to actively be involved, you know? So for people like me, I mean, Hey, for people like me, for the vast majority of people watching and listening to this who aren't Stanford alumni, right. You know, weren't, you know, didn't spend the time in Palo Alto and everything, or even maybe aren't wrestling people. What would you call on us to do? What would you ask from us? How can we help that fight? Um, I think there's a couple ways. First, like you said, um, you don't have to like tweet a lot or like tweet about it, you know, but um, just follow the social media channels. You know, that's a basic thing. If, if we get a bigger following, you know, they'll, there'll be more outreach and, and just more like collective momentum. Um, so do that. Um, also, there's a, I think we posted it already. I'll have to go back and look. I'll repost it if I find it though after this video. Um, I think there's a way you can send an email, like to like an appropriate email, you know, uh, to advocate for Stanford Wrestling uh, to the, I'm not sure if it's to the board or to the AD. Um, so I'll look for that um, and do that. But I'd say, honestly, just try to get the word out. Um, I know there's going to be some donation information coming out soon and all types of stuff. There's a lot of moving parts right now, but um, just really the most helpful right now is just to, to stay informed and involved. Um, just follow the social media channels and anything, you know, that we need help with, we'll put out there. But for now, we're just trying to get people, uh, make people aware and make people advocates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you move on from your Stanford time, right? You know, and, and like you said, you have a decision to make about how, how you want to continue competing. And you spent a lot of time in the summers in college, wrestling Greco and everything else. Mm -hmm. What drove you and your brother was always, you know, at least in my memory, was always a WCAP guy, a world-class athletes program guy and for, for the Army and everything. What, what was it that you said, you know, Colorado Springs, WCAP, you know, why that decision, the decision to serve, obviously, because that's a far greater decision than just, oh, I want to go train there, right? You know, it's not just where you go to practice, it's your whole life. Um, so, so what all went into that? Ooh. Um, so, <laughs> uh, after I left Stanford, I went to Minnesota, you know, to, to the storm. I wrestled there for mm -hmm. just under two years. Um, it was a good program, just not a great fit for me. You know, nothing wrong with the program at all. Uh, great program, great coaches, great people involved. Just not for me. A little too cold. Uh, and then <laughs> also, a list of a little too cold. Uh, you know, I came off of practice one day and my key, like, wouldn't go in my uh, car door. It was frozen. So, and I, they were like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I see I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. This, this might not be the place. No, just kidding. But yeah, so I, so I moved on from there and I was looking for a new home. And um, I mean, just kind of like uh, the people that were leaders in my life led me to the army. I think um, people that I looked up to, you know, Jermail Byers, uh, my brother, you know, uh, Joe Betterman, Nate, they had all wrestled in the army. And those were all guys that I looked up to and tried to train with, you know, from way back in the Northern Michigan days. And it's amazing yep. because like Marco Lara, like it's amazing how many people actually went from that initial program to the army to wrestle. Mm -hmm. And so that was an obvious choice um, or, or an obvious uh, point of input, you know, for my decision. Uh, also, I mean, my brother was there um, at that point, you know, he's the best in the U S 
Um, and they've got like, I don't know, you know, four or five, six out of the top 10 guys in my weight class in a room. So I figured, you know, like any, any wrestler would, if you need to, you know, beat these guys, it'd be good to train like they're training because something they're doing is working. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was another um, reason why I chose the army. But I think also uh, just for career advancement, like I said, I knew I wanted to wrestle Greco full time, but I didn't want to completely lose touch with, you know, the academic side of things. I always planned on going back and, you know, getting further degrees and all that. And so um, I wanted to have an opportunity to do that. The Army also provided that, which was a bonus, you know, because, uh, you know, they have like um, the uh, post-911 GI Bill and things like that um, with certain terms of service. And so there's a lot of educational opportunities that people don't really know about. Um, and it's not like you have to serve 20 years to get them, you know? You have to serve like a period, you know, of two to three years or five years for certain things. And so um, there was an opportunity there for me to, to, you know, continue my education later after I got in wrestling. And uh, yeah, and, and I guess at the end of the day too, you know, I really thought about like, hey, uh, this is probably like a couple days before I joined. If you really had to go to war, you know, like, um, like something happened, you know, God forbid, but something happened and you had to go overseas and like, like all out fight. I'm talking like in the movies, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. And in my mind, I mean, there was no doubt if I was going to sign my name to do it, then I would do it. And I still have that belief right now. You know, I, I plan, I plan on getting out of the army uh, after the next Olympics, you know, but if something happened between now and then, even, you know, no matter how much time I had left, I'd still do it until the day my contract is up. So um, all those things went into that decision. It was kind of the, the easy, hard choice, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. Things align, align pretty well, but still a big move and something you got to think about. So, you know, I talked to Jenna Burkett, Burkett a few weeks ago, and, you know, she talked through obviously a similar thought process and decision-making. And one of the things that she spoke about was how, you know, going through training and going through all the stuff and, you know, when you join the, the Army, how much perspective it gave her you know, and how much it really changed the way she viewed life, you know, talk through that a little bit of going and, you know, from uh, what I saw on the WCAP site, you're, you're a sergeant. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, so there's Sergeant Ryan Mango. And obviously I'm sure that the people that you serve and spend a lot of time with on that side, like they support you and everything, but it's a very different world, right? So talk about what being in the service has done for perspective. Yeah. I'd say perspective wise, like, uh, when I got to college, I pretty much developed and learned how to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a leader on the wrestling team, I took care of, you know, other wrestlers. But my focus was, hey, you need to learn how to take care of yourself, you know, to the best of your ability. So you're okay. Plan ahead, you know, like budget, all those things. Take care of yourself. Yep. Um, I think when I joined the military initially, it gave me a perspective on how to lead others and help others. I went to basic training in the summer. And I'm, you know, mind you, I'm 20 something, 20, 24 years old. And the guys and guys and girls I'm going to basic training with are 18, you know, turning 18 that, that summer. Um, oh, yeah. Because during the summer, there's a lot of the, you know, uh, soldiers that are turning 18. They just have that much high school. So they're, they're joining the army. So 
for me, it was super easy basic training. Like at first, you know, I was like, okay, I know how to take care of myself. They told me to clean this. So I just clean it, you know, um, <laughs> but I had to humble myself and, and, you know, learn how to like guide these other younger soldiers, um, which was something that was super hard for me to do. Um, but I think something that gave me a lot of perspective and, uh, made me grow as a person and then moving. So moving forward, um, also being in the military, it's like, so yeah, we wrestle, you know, we mm-hmm. go to practice every day, we train, but there's also, you know, like probably about half or maybe more people on our team that after they get done, they go on with their military career. And so you get to know people that are in the regular military, you're on base and uh, you see kind of like the sacrifices that people are making, you know, um, as well as being away from their families and stuff when they deploy and like, you know, things that can happen on deployments and just kind of the impact that that serving has on some people you know and volunteering in the hospital sometimes and stuff um and so it really lets you know um i guess to live each day you know like it's your last that life matters and and also that if you can help people um sometimes you may get nothing from it and you may think nothing of it but to other people that may mean the world that may be the thing that you know, is a, makes a decision for them or, or something that impacts them that's life or death. You may think nothing of it, but for them, it may be, you know, of the most grand impact. So it really, uh, I think it really works to make our team a family. That perspective that we've all gained in the military, that's why we're all so close. And I think it's no secret, you know, like how are these guys, so, guys and girls so close, you know, like, yeah, they train together, but it's different. We all have had that experience as well as different experiences in the military and we all share that with each other. And so I think that's, that's what makes our team so close. Yeah. I know that, you know, the different freestyle competitions like the U S open or Fila juniors, or I guess it's UWW juniors now, but uh, when the WCAP squad rolls in, you guys roll deep and it definitely, there's definitely a different bond there. Um, but you mentioned family, you know, and obviously family for you isn't just, even within WCAP, isn't just your brothers and sisters that are serving and training alongside you. You actually have a family tie there that you've mentioned with the Spencer. Um, you know, and you, you guys, like you said, you followed your, your brother's footsteps to get into wrestling. And, um, you know, now he's one of, you know, he sits in your corner and everything else just talk through, you know, I know there's a lot to it as there always is, but talk through the different stages of your relationship with your brother, man, you know, um, and what it was like, you know, I mean, honestly, following in his footsteps, right. I mean, he made, what was it? Eight straight world Olympic teams or something of that ilk. Um, yeah. something was that. <laughs> yeah. Something silly. So no, I mean, just talk your relationship with him and you know, what it's been like to have him as a role model and a resource in your life. Um, yeah, first of all, I mean, it's been awesome, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody that's met Spencer knows he's, like, super patient, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, easygoing guy, like, always, you know, just smiling, never really seems too serious. And so um, it was actually kind of like that growing up. We didn't really, like, fight a whole bunch, you know. We would just go fishing, and we were just trying to hang out. So mm-hmm. since school was over, he was picking me up. There's five years difference, but it didn't matter. Everywhere he was going, I was going, too. And so we would go fishing just really it was it was easy going um early on and then obviously I mean we started to get competitive with sports and uh and and with wrestling like doing the same sport and so um it became more of him teaching us I feel like uh 
when he left for college and I was in high school still. So it became like teaching moments. So I would go train with them or he would come home and try to mentor me, you know, like show me the new stuff. He like, Hey, yeah, you're going to gear and kill him at Fargo with this lift. They don't know how to fit yeah. lift and all this and that. So there was like those teaching moments. Um, I think that when I was getting older, maybe like a junior senior in high school, I remember I was like, oh man, I'm just trying to win more, more titles than my brother, more state titles. <laughs> um, I think that shifted, that, that mindset shifted when I got to college because it was something fresh. It was something I could do on my own, that I was a trailblazer in for our family, you know, like he had mm-hmm. never wrestled folks out. So it was kind of refreshing, you know, to be able to just, just pave my own way. And I think that, that, uh, that taught me a lot, you know, about our relationship that I don't have to necessarily compete with him, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a family thing. Um, we're both going to go our own paths. We're going to, accomplish our own things and that's what it's going to be you know and leave a legacy so I think um fast forward now through college moving into WCAP and like just wrestling Greco full-time really for the first time after college um it was a lot easier it was a lot easier to you know see him at competitions and and at camps and all that and then like coming to WCAP from Storm shoot it was super easy he was like towards the end of his career yeah, there's a possibility that we were going to compete, but from that moment until now and still, you know, like, uh, it's really, he try, he tries to give me all he has, you know. Um, it has been a little bit different since he's been on the coaching staff because he does have to spread his attention around to the whole room, you know. Yep. Um, so it wasn't weird, but I would just say that I noticed, you know, like, oh, man, he's working with, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Like on something that they asked about, like what I'm doing, like he's teaching them to beat me. <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, very quickly, like as soon as I think those things, I realize that that's how we're going to get better. Shoot, none of us are winning world medals, so none of us should be holding it back anything from each other. We should be beating each other up just like we do um, and helping whoever that person is that comes out on top of the trials get a medal. So, um, Overall, man, it's been super easy. Spencer's a great big brother. He's a real patient and teaches a lot. Um, it's been awesome. It's been awesome having him around. Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, that's a really special situation. I mean, I don't know that I can think of anybody that, you know, any pair of brothers that's been able to have that for this long, right, all the way through the senior level. So that's just, it's really cool. And you know, last year in 2019, um, you make your feet first senior level world team. Um, you'd been close. You'd been in the finals of the trials, you know, been through series that went three matches and everything else. What, what was it like last summer, you know, when you get through for the first time, you know, talk about that. Cause that's obviously, that's a huge, it's like being an all American for the first time, right? That's a huge step in your career. And obviously it, it unlocks the door to, to what you really want to do and, win a world and Olympic title? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, you know, in the immediate moment, um, literally right after the match, I think if you watch the video, I go back to the center and I like just blow, like blow air out. Like it was a relief, you know, I like look up and I was like, <sighs> like finally, but then I, you know, like, like most wrestlers will tell you, you know, like right after that moment, I was like, man, okay. Like now it's time to, you know, it's time to do this. Like now the work mm-hmm. starts time to go get a medal, you know? Um, and so I think that was really my mentality. Um, breaking through, um, yeah, I, it was a, it was a relief, but 
you know, my mind all automatically shifted right to the next thing, um, right. which is the world championships, which I mean, didn't go as well as I had hoped. Um, but I think that it's a very different experience, different than any tournament I've ever wrestled in. Um, you know, I've been there a bunch, but it's completely different competing there. Um, and so I think that it was experience that I learned from, which was probably the, the best thing you can ask for. Yeah. So talk through that a little bit. You, you've wrestled, I mean, on the biggest stages our sport has to offer, you know, with worlds, with NCAAs and folk style, Fargo in high school and everything you've wrestled on these huge stages. Right. And things are all always relative, right. When you're, when you're 16, Fargo is Fargo's it, right. Wrestling on the elevated stage, man, it's crazy. When you're 21 NCAAs, that stage, you know, wrestling Friday night and on Saturday, it's crazy. And you get the nerves and you, want to puke before you wrestle and all that stuff so talk about how even though every stage is different talk about how competing in Fargo and that in NCAAs how those stages that are relatively and are huge ones help prepare you for worlds and how was it different um I think that I mean those stages help you grow you know like when you're first starting out you got to get used to you know, compete in front of people, getting nervous, all that stuff. But I think now really like, um, I've made a shift like on the senior level in general, since I've been on the senior level, like mm -hmm. it's not really been about where I'm competing or, you know, like what tournament it is or anything like that. It's like, every time I go out on the mat, I want to, you know, give my best perform. I want to, I want to give a good performance. Like, Oh, I've been working on these things. I need to be perfect in these things, you know? And there's some tournaments I know that I go to that, you know, hey, we're using this as like a tune-up, you know what I'm saying? We're working on these specific areas. I don't care if you lose a match. Go out and execute these specific things. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do that, that's a win for this tournament, you know? It's mm -hmm. not so much about uh, winning and losing here and there. It's about making yourself a well-rounded wrestler so that every time you go out there, you're performing your best in the neutral position in the bottom position and in the top position yep. and you're executing the things you're supposed to execute. So I think that those stages um, do help develop that mindset. I don't think it comes right away. And I think, like I said, it helps you, you know, get used to wrestling in front of a lot of people and, and being able to focus when there's a lot of distraction going on and all this and that. Um, but I think the world is different because first of all, when I got there, you know, like your weight cut's obviously different. You're, you're there for a while, you're working out and, um, the training was great. Um, but I think I, you know, overthought things. Uh, how so? I think that, you know, before I would say my mind wasn't relaxed, like it usually is because usually I'm like, okay, we worked on these things in practice. Like I know what I'm going to do in this match over mm -hmm. and over. I'm going to do these same things, you know, like, so I'm kind of just chill, listen to music before I go out there. I think in Worlds, my mind was racing, like, oh, you got you to remember to do this. You got to remember to do this because it was my first time, you know? So in my mind, I was like, hey, I got to take advantage of this opportunity. So my mind was racing, like, oh, remember to do this, remember to do this, remember to do this, remember to do this. And really, like, because of that, I feel like the whole thing was sped up, you know, like I, I can't really remember like, oh, like being in the arena, you know, or like whatever, like at Final X, I went out there and I remember walking out. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, all right, let's <laughs> you know, like get out there, yeah. Bill. All right, let's wrestle. <laughs> yep. um, but if the world's like that, 
it's like my mind was racing so much that I blanked out. Um, and so I think that was a product of it being my first time in experience. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, you know, relying, falling back on my game plan that it got me there, uh, trying to do more than I needed to do. Um, but like I said, something I learned from. Yeah. So, you know, I think that one of those things, a lot of things come down to exposure, right? You know, that's, that's one of those situations where you've never been exposed to that environment. Um, the more you can get exposure to something, the more you can learn about it and familiarize yourself with it, right? So still talking exposure, but framing it with Greco as a whole. I think one of the things that with the growth of Greco, and it, I mean, it's definitely grown quite a bit, um, even in the last decade, you know, it's our, the USA program has gotten better and better. And I think it's getting more popular, but you know, for you as somebody who is a Greco specialist, right? It's one of the best in the world. Talk about what we as the rest of the community, whether it's the media, whether it's fans, um, whether it's developmental programs, whatever it is, you know, for Greco to continue to grow and for us to be a world, I mean, really a world power in Greco, I think a big part of that is exposure um, at the young ages, right? So talk through your experience and what, you know, how you view what we can do better to expose Greco to fans, you know, cause one of the things I know you hear this all the time is that Gre- people don't watch Greco cause it's boring, right? That's the stigma, um, which is for you specifically, it's just stupid because if anybody's watched you, you're a human highlight reel, um, you know, and anybody that's ever had to compete against you knows that too, cause it's terrifying. So <laughs> um, just talk about exposure and teaching, American wrestling fans, all that Greco has to offer, because it's such a nuanced sport, you know, and for me personally, my friendship with Nate Engel has taught me more about Greco than I ever knew. Like, I can watch Greco now. I am by no means an expert, but I watch Greco now, and I understand the little things far more than I ever used to, and I enjoy watching it more, because I know what's going on, more of what's going on. I don't know all of it. Um, Not even close, but yeah, just talk about exposure and what that can do for Greco, you know, when you talk about, like, these senior-level cards that are coming out without Greco matches and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's on a couple fronts. I think that, first of all, like, earlier on in this uh, in this podcast, you know, I was like, hey, wrestling's wrestling. I tried to wrestle freestyle, Greco, and folk mm-hmm. style. Um, but I didn't get that from internally, like, from Ryan Mango. Like, I didn't create that thought, you know, or that, that thought process. Those are mm-hmm. from the people that I up to that guided me through the sport at that age um and they were savvy enough to know that hey if you're good at greco folk style and freestyle it's gonna make you a better wrestler in general and Mm -hmm. you're good at whatever you choose to specialize in when that time comes um so that was a product of my mentors um instilling that in me um i think the problem now is that you know it's a trickle down effect like the people that, that are leaders in our sport that have the highest visibility if they don't support Greco or promote Greco or even at the very minimum, um, you know, showcase the hard work that the Greco athletes and, and the female athletes, mm-hmm. um, you know, put in day in and day out and show that that's no different than these freestyle wrestlers, you mm-hmm. know? it's a different style of wrestling, but they're putting in all the same work, all the same qualities they're building, you know, to be at this level of wrestling at the very minimum, if they don't promote that, then the people that are watching our sport nowadays, because now everything's digital, you can watch it, a bunch of technique online and all that, you know, yeah, it's so, amazing. isn't it? 
the kids coming up, I, you can't blame them. What do you think they're going to want to wrestle? Freestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even know what Greco is because there's no post about Greco. You know? And so I think that the people at the top need to do a better job of exposure. Yes, okay, Greco's not going to make you as much money right, right now. But if you invest in it, you know, mm-hmm. like someone invested in young Ryan Mango, you know, when I was a, a, a little wrestler. No, absolutely. And watch it grow and cultivate it, then it could be something, you know, that, that eventually will make you revenue. Same with women's wrestling, fastest growing sport in the world. You know, if you cultivate it, it could be something that's going to boost your revenue, you know, multiply it. But, yeah. but and, and I'm saying not that, not that the revenue is the issue for us as the athletes or the advocates, but it's the issue for the people at the top, it seems. Right. Right now. That, that, that's the claim, if nothing else. Yes. And so I think that that needs to happen. Um, I think within the Greco community, I would say it's gotten a hundred times better. Um, even in the last like two or three years, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot better. Like guys are coming together. And, um, that was really my main, main critique. I think, uh, probably coming into the WCAT program when I came in, it just seemed like we had a good group of guys, but everyone was so spread out. Like it's, it was literally like, Oh, this is no, like, you know, there's this, this club and then there's this club and then there's this club. Mm-hmm. And then, Almost know, like clicky. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. And then there's the national team coach in the middle, like trying to cater to everybody. <laughs> like, on the on the opposite end, you know, we go to freestyle the national team camps and they're collaborating over there. You know, like yes, the national team coaches run practice, but you got all the college coaches there that run the RTCs, all the athletes, you know what I'm saying? They're jumping in, like, hey, oh well, this is another option on this technique, you know, and this is another option. Uh, that's, that was a little bit different from the Greco practice, you know, it was like, I'm going to run this practice. Like you guys, no, not right now, you know, the right. day tomorrow or something like that. So I think we're doing a lot better job at that though, uh, internally. And, uh, that was, that's probably the only, uh, critique I have of the actual Greco program. I think it's going the right direction. Um, I think we just could use a little help, you know, getting, uh, other athletes involved and, and inspired, um, cause it also creates that, that feeling, you know, of, uh, let's say, okay, competing. So when you compete in college, you know, when you're in the, like you said, in your city or mm-hmm. in your hometown, yeah. you feel better. You gravitate yeah, absolutely. Because, of energy, because of that energy within you. Imagine wrestling for a program at the, at the highest level that there is mm-hmm. in the world for your sport yep. and your own, like, you know, leaders in that sport don't support you yeah yeah it seems like they turn their back on you so that's like you go home to you know pittsburgh to wrestle mm-hmm. and nobody shows up at the, <laughs> the ncaa tournament is empty right now you see like imagine trying to compete and justify you know like dedicating your life to something like that so the support would be nice and you know it's not just record it's it's women's freestyle too mm-hmm. um but like I said, I can only do what I can do on a day-to-day basis, and I'm trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think that's very obvious. You know, anybody that follows you on any socials or just knows you in any capacity personally, like, I mean, you're an advocate for for the things that you believe to be right. Um, you know, one of the things I want to touch on with with exposure before we move into kind of the next thing with being an advocate is 
so like for you personally, um, like I'm a huge Ryan Mango fan because like I've watched, I mean, we're close to the same age and I watched you. I was a fan of yours in high school, man. Like watching you bomb dudes on the stage in Greco or in Fargo, I mean, was awesome. Um, competing against you was not nearly as much fun because I almost had an anxiety attack, but uh, <laughs> um, but no, you know, it's human stories, right? So use like, I don't care who it is. Jamil Byers is a great example of a guy that's a USA wrestling great that did so much for USA wrestling, you know, Greco and USA wrestling. And people don't know his story because it wasn't invested in, right. It wasn't, it wasn't published. And, you know, women's freestyle deals with this same problem. Um, I think, um, you know, like with the, when I talked to Jenna, I used Helen Marulis as the example. I knew Helen's story from an early age only because my college coaches were at Maryland and were her club coaches for like a little bit of a period of time. Right. So like, Helen's story had been humanized. So do you think that's a big part of it with Greco too, is that the athletes that maybe don't do what you did and wrestle at the NCAA level that go to the training center or go WCAP right away or go to like a Northern Michigan, right? Um, how much do you think it would help for, I mean, Spencer's story, right? Like Spencer gets to the senior level and people see his name everywhere, but they don't know a thing, not really about Spencer Mango and about the story. And it's harder to be invested in someone whose story you don't know when you can look at the next mat over literally the next mat over and see a guy like Yanni who people have known watched wrestle since he was like four years old. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think those things would definitely help, but, um, I think it, uh, <laughs> I think it goes back to the people that had the capacity to do that. You know, like there's, there's, there's people like Timmy hands, uh, you know, with, mm -hmm. with the move, you know, there's certain people that are advocates for Greco right now. Um, and they're trying to do the right thing and grow the sport. Um, but I, I do think, I do think in a short answer that that would be extremely beneficial, you know, to come mm -hmm. out with stories. Essentially what you're talking about is like, uh, the little, like, what are the, what are the specials called that they do on flow? Well, like the flow films. Yeah, flow film. How many flow yeah. films have you seen on a Greco person? None. Yeah. And there's one on a women's freestyle wrestler. Mm, exactly. So right. you know, now, now you see, like, yes, those things are all good. Um, you know, um, good things to strive to do and to, and to talk about. But until somebody really steps up and, you know, invests the time to do it, then it's really, it's really a bust, you know, like – it's no secret what things need to be done. That's what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. We see what needs to be done. Our men's freestyle team is great. You know, they win medals. They do what they have to do, which is another thing I should add for the Greco program. We need to win medals. We need to do our job better. Mm -hmm. And no one's running from that. We're not saying that, you know, we're not going to acknowledge that. We all know that, and we're working on it. So I'll add that. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Included with us, like doing our job and getting better at wrestling, and becoming the best in the world, you need support. Like I said, that's only something that's gonna accelerate your growth, you know, and your success. Um, versus feeling like, man, these these guys like they don't even care about us, you know? Or like, hey, you need to do better, um, but good luck with it, <laughs> you know? So yeah, and I think. At a developmental age, too, because that's a huge part of it. Like, the people that have the ability to expose wrestling fans to your stories and to just Greco, period, um, you know, it's on them to do it. But it's also on developmental coaches and everything. Greco, even if you 
a lot of developmental coaches, I'm sure, as you know, view things through the lens of what can this training exercise or whatever do to help folk style development, right? A lot. That's how a lot of American coaches view it growing up is how does this aid in collegiate style development, right? Because that's how a lot of people view, not as like the most important style, but as the main style here um, because of college wrestling. So anybody that's watched, I mean, again, use you as the example, like Greco helps folk style immensely, you know, and I can, and you are a prime example of that. And conversely, there are a lot of us, like I never wrestled outside of the schoolboy duels. I never wrestled Greco. And there were a lot of things that I literally was very limited in doing that a lot of us are limited in doing because we didn't learn Greco skills, right? It, it's almost like Greco is a, and freestyle in the same way, right? They teach you different body control and body skills and awareness and things. Greco is a key that unlocks a whole chest of things. Even if you purely do it for folk style reasons, it's still an incredibly valuable, valuable training style and everything else. Yeah. So you know, the last thing, and you mentioned um, being an advocate and, and everything else, right? So a lot of things going on in the world today. Um, more visibility for everything, um, some of which is, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's, you know, there's a lot of things in our world today that are tough to stomach, right? Um, hard, hard truths. You know, you have always been an advocate. You've always been vocal about the things in which you believe. You know, you have the, the Black Wrestling Association now, um, and, and different organizations like that that are speaking up for uh, I mean racial equality right and bringing things to light that maybe haven't previously or not maybe that haven't previously been discussed the way that they should have been talk about whether it's your personal experience growing up through wrestling or just growing up period as a black man but your experience as well as feeling compelled to be an advocate to be vocal to use your platform um, yeah, so, you know, like, growing up, we had it, you know, we had it tough. Um, I'm not going to say we had the worst. Um, mm -hmm. we're also blessed, extremely blessed, you know, um, shit, blessed that my mom was a hard worker as well. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, my mom raised two kids. Um, luckily, you know, I think through sports, uh, we had a lot of great leaders and mentors, like I said, and, you know, they just happened, we got blessed because they were good people, you know? Right. Uh, they got it. Like I said, they instilled the right values in us and, and taught us what was important. And um, I think also, you know, like we weren't bad kids. Um, most of everyone in my family's chill, you know, like mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, reason like has a good, good head on the shoulders, reason, you know, with you and, and see what's the right thing to do. And so, um, like I said, didn't have it the greatest uh, by any means, but um, was blessed with a lot of opportunity through sport. Uh, growing up and uh, I mean with that you know I know a lot of people like from St. Louis mind you that didn't get those same opportunities to me you know um, whether they played a sport or not uh, it just didn't work out for a lot of people you know mm -hmm. and um, that's something that you know has hurt me for a while I continue to be a burden in my mind you know um, just thinking about how many of my friends you know like didn't make it to the level that I'm at and so I think it's deeply rooted why I'm so vocal about what I think and how I feel and what I support and this and that. And um, I think that now I'm at the age where I've, I've experienced a lot, you know, um, 
like even let's say there's a guy that gets a scholarship or guy or girl, you know, African American, they get a great scholarship to a great school, but all their teammates and all the people they're going to be around don't look like them. I've been in that situation, you know, that's one example. So I've experienced a lot of things like on this crazy path I've been on. And now I feel like I'm in a position where um, I can give some of that back, you know? And so, uh, let's see, it's been like maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, actually, uh, Nate, Nate Jackson hit me up and he was like, Hey, group of us got together after one of the US wrestling zoom calls. Um, you know, we needed to do something, um, started explaining to me black wrestling association, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't a part of the initial, you know, like the founding members or any of that, that yep. zoom call. but just a little bit later, he, he just reached out to me cause he thought I'd be someone, you know, um, they'd be interested in helping and you know obviously I told him absolutely and so um, I'm not involved in any like structured or like official capacity you know I'm a supporter uh, just kind of been helping out where I can whatever they need uh, help with getting it off the ground and and stuff like that but oh man I'm gonna be as active as I can be um with it I'm I'm super pumped about it because like I said it's important you know not only for um developmental coaches and and all that to to show their athletes technique and show them Greco but you know it helps if you know some of the people you look up with up to you know if they look like you Mm -hmm. you know have some type of structure set up to inspire you you know to connect you to empower you you know Mm -hmm. um so I'm all for it. I'm all for that. Um, and I feel like that's just like an example of the way that I'm trying to use my platforms and where I'm at to help the world, even just a little bit, you know, like those tweets I sent out, like of all the videos of me throwing people in like, you know, <laughs> folk style, freestyle Greco, like everyone thought, Oh man, Meg was just throwing this stuff out here. Cool. Keep it coming. You know? And mm-hmm. I was just like letting it flow, but you know, in the back of my mind, I knew what I was going to do. And then today right. I tweeted at Flow and explained why I did what I did, you know, and now explain the situation. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, uh, yeah, now I'm just, I'm, I'm in a position where I can use my platforms uh, to be an advocate, you know, um, of a lot of things, you know, people who are unrepresented, uh, African-Americans, you know, uh, minorities, uh, low income, First generation college students, you know, it has a really, really far reach. And um, like I said, from the Army experience and yeah, just being a part of WCAP, I've realized that even if you do little things, you have no idea, idea of uh, how much of an impact you have in somebody else's life. So just trying to do something a little every day. Um, and like I said, keep pushing forward, keep supporting the things I believe in and moving on, yeah. That's awesome, man. And I think that, you know, that big part of that comes back to for coaches, for people that have a platform, you know, whether it be large or small. Um, Part of it too is when you're teaching young kids, when you're especially young kids, right, at very developmental ages, you teach them to be good people and to treat people the right way. Um, to do the next right thing in life you know if you do the next right thing in life like doing the next right right thing in wrestling is really really easy (laughs) um you know I think exactly what you said really speaks to that so um you know hey man I think I've taken up 
enough of your time. Um, do you got anything else for us? Um, follow Black Wrestling Association. Uh, follow and support. Keep stand for wrestling. Um, and yeah, just hope y'all are doing well out there. Yeah. Keep training. Going around or something. I'll just sit on the couch and eat donuts and yeah. That's it. <laughs> No, man. And I, I do think that's sage advice in these weird times, but, um, but no, man, Hey, I, I appreciate you so much. Um, coming on here, going wide open, telling, you know, your incredible story, like you said, from, um, stuff that somebody can make a movie about first generation college student that grew up in a low income household in, in St. Louis, all the way up to being wrestling on the biggest stages of the sport, being a Stanford graduate, um, and an advocate for all things good and all things right. So, Ryan, I appreciate you so much, man. Um, hope you're well. Hope the move goes well. Moving sucks. We all know that. So, so God bless you there. Um, and good luck, man. Thanks. Sorry for rambling, too. I know I, I probably rambled on a couple of these answers, but uh, just got a lot I'm thinking about. And, you know, obviously it's super emotional about a lot of these things. So it happens. But glad to, glad to be on. Thanks for having me. No. And, uh, hey, thank you, for or thank you for taking the time of being on. You're welcome anytime. And, you don't have to apologize for rambling. Um, that's, that's why I like to, that's why we like to give people like you the stage, you know, you're educated, intelligent, you have good things to say. Um, there are other people that I wouldn't want to ramble, but you are more than welcome to. <laughs> so, so, Hey man, thank you so much. Um, take it easy and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk or we'll tweet at each other sometime again soon. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, man.